Good morning. Can you hear me okay? There we go. Am I on? There we go. Good morning. Please turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. We're going to be studying the first five verses of John, chapter 1. It's the fourth Gospel, so if you get to your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Today's the first of four Sundays uh, where we'll be focusing our hearts on Advent, the Advent or the arrival of Jesus uh, in, into, into the world. And we remember when Jesus came to earth in humility, just as we, sang, as we sung this morning. And this Advent, we're specifically focusing on how Jesus is the light of the world, as, as described in John uh, 1. In the first Five verses of John, especially in verse 5, John says that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And that statement made me ask, well, how does light overcome darkness? Basically, a couple things need to happen in order for light to overcome darkness. First, there's got to be a source of light a source of that light. If there's no light source, you don't have light. You need a source like a candle or a flashlight in order for light to shine. You need a source. And secondly, the source has to be shining. That light source has to be shining. If the light is not turned on, you don't have light. We don't have light. Uh, many, many of us are decorating our, light, our houses for Christmas. We'll put a lot of work into uh, Liz and I are not doing this, but many do put a lot of work into decorating their houses, do a great job. Uh, but all that work, all that beauty, all that light, if it's not on, you won't be able to see it. There, w- there won't be a display of that light. Light that does not shine isn't really lighting anything. And this idea of light, I think it's important for us to understand in order to perceive what John is communicating in verses 1 through 5 of chapter 1. And when John says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it, and we ask the question, well, how does light overcome darkness? How does that happen? Well, the general answer to that question is in order for light to overcome Darkness, and in order for win over to, dar- to win over darkness, there has to be a light source, and the light source has to be shining into the darkness. Darkness is overcome by light whenever light shines and wherever light is shining. And so John is using the example of light to show us that Jesus, which he calls the Word, who he calls the Word, is both the source and the shining light of life to the world, to humanity. And it's those realities that I think help reveal a third really important truth for all of us to to love. And so my prayer this morning is that we would embrace three truths in total about Jesus so that we'll look to him this Christmas season. We need to look to Jesus. So John... He was actually a follower of Jesus, and, and he actually tells us why he wrote the Gospel of John, this book. Um, he said that he, he, he wrote it so that we would believe. In chapter 20, he says, it was written so that you would believe it, that Jesus is the Christ, 
the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's why he wrote the Gospel of John. John wants us to believe in Jesus. He wants us to surrender our whole life, all we are, our school, our work, our suffering, our pain, our aging, our family, our friends, our future, surrender it all to Jesus and his power to give you real life. But in order to show that Jesus is worthy of trusting in, John does something unique. He does something that's very unique from the other Gospels. John doesn't begin by telling us about um, a baby in a manger. He begins by telling us about Jesus, who he refers to in this passage as the Word. He refers to Jesus as the one who was present at the beginning of all things. There is no baby mentioned. There is no manger in John's gospel. There is only the word who was with and was God in the beginning. So let's pray real quickly and then we'll read the first five verses of of the gospel of John. Father, we believe that you have come in Christ and there is life in his name and we need to see if we if we see now may we worship as a result if and maybe if we if there's someone here that has not seen may we may they see now and worship you we need to worship the light of the world our savior Help us, God, to see this truth. Help your word to shine forth, God. Your word is truth. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Before I read, just notice that John speaks in the past tense. You're going to see a lot of past tense verbs, but John's not doing that, or words. He's not doing that to imply that Jesus was the word, but is no longer. Um, He's simply using that to point to this as a historical event. Just, just be clear there. You know, as we read, you, you know, you'll see those past tense, and just know that if it's not written in the past tense, if this passage wasn't written in the past tense, you and I wouldn't be able to read it. Because John is talking about the creation of all things, and we are created. So let's read John one one through five. The Word of God says, "In the beginning was the Word." And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So let's look at those three truths about Jesus. First, Jesus is the source of life. Jesus is the source of life. What I mean by that is that all things, all existence comes from Jesus, who is the Word, as John says. How does John describe this? If you look in verse 1, he says that in the beginning was the Word. So when the beginning happened, There was not nothing, 
There was not mindless, beingless, swirling matter and energy. There was not nothing. In the beginning, there already was someone. There was the word. And that reminds us of the first words of the Bible in in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God. This word, this being, who John describes, already existed when there was a beginning. And this is a basic, fundamental reality that applies to all of life. As one scholar says, being precedes doing. Essence precedes action. In other words, if there's no painter, there can be no painting. Just as you need to exist before you put pen to paper or lights on your house, so the word existed before the masterpiece of creation was made. It's second nature for us to assume our own existence, right? It's almost silly to think about that, right? But so if I were to ask you, or if you, you go home and you ask your, your son or your daughter, well, what, what do you need in order to create me a drawing? Your, your son or your daughter might say, well, I need colored pencils or, or crayons and I need some paper. But what John is saying here is that in order for a creation, in order for a creation to be made, maybe like a drawing or a Lego castle or a sculpture, in order for something to be made, there needs, most importantly, to be a maker to make that thing. You don't just need pencils and paper. You need you. You need you to make that piece of artwork. And so in order for the world to be, if we apply this, In order for the things that we see, the things that we taste, the things that we experience, the plants, the animals, all things, in order for those things to be, there had to be, and there is a maker who made what we can see. This passage is confirming to us that the word was in the beginning. Secondly, however, John says, he says some more about the word. He says that the word was with God and was God. So John is making two really important claims and he's making them at the same time. Jesus, the word, was with God. This means that Jesus is distinct. However, John also says that the word was God. You see that there in verse one? The word was God. In other words, Jesus shares the same essence as God. Jesus is one with God the Father, as he'll say later in John 10. So Jesus is not another God. That would be polytheism. We are not polytheists. That's heresy. We are monotheists. There is one God. Jesus is truly God. And yet, as John clearly states, if you look at verse 2, Jesus, he, the Word, was in the beginning with God. Jesus is not a tool God uses. He is God, and yet he is distinct. And this is, for us, at least a partial formation of our understanding of the Trinity. God is one existing eternally in Father, Son, and Spirit. He exists eternally in the beginning. He was not made. The Word was with God. As God's Spirit hovered over the waters... Creating life, God created life by speaking it into existence, and his word created 
life. And that's exactly what John says here in verse 3, if you keep going on. This is a third proof that Jesus is the source of life. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Or it could be restated, if it was made, he made it. No exceptions. If it was made, he made it. No exceptions. This is why John calls Jesus the word, because all things were made by the word of God. That's a clear truth throughout scripture that um, is, is, is de- de- declared. God's word is his means of revealing and communicating and acting. Genesis 1-3, God said, let there be light. What happened? There was light. Psalm 33, 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. And the author of Hebrews says that by faith we understand that the universe was made by the word of God. God, his word, created the world, and yet Jesus is the word. In in, in 1 Corinthians 8, uh, 6, Paul says that as opposed to the many false gods that are in the world and the other religions, for us, there is one God the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. You can see that in Colossians 1.16. You can see that in Hebrews. Jesus is the, invisible, is the creator of all. Invisible, visible, thrones, rulers, dominions, authorities, all things created through Jesus and for Jesus, who is the Word. And it's from these proofs then that we can conclude, as John does here in the first part of verse 4, if you look at verse 4, in Him, in the Word, in Jesus, was life. What is Jesus the source of? He is the source of life. As one Commentator says it, he is the self-existent one. Jesus is life by definition. Which most fundamentally means for you and me is that if there is life, it is sourced in his life. So Jesus is the source. He is the source of life. The second truth is that the life within Jesus shines. His life shines is a revelation, a display, a light. The the life within Jesus is a revealing light. So again, in verse four, if you look with me, John says, in him was life, but John then closes the verse by saying, and the life that was in him, the life that is in Jesus, was the light of men. John is saying that the life that was in Jesus is a display, a revelation, a light of or, or for men. And just a, a quick note on that word men. The ESV translates it there, but contextually we should understand he's talking about humanity in general. It's not, this is, this is all people he's talking about. What does John mean though when he says that life was in, there's life within Jesus, it was the light of men? And how does that light, the life in Jesus, how does that shine? There, there's a more specific um, answer to that question that's going to be revealed, I think, in the later weeks throughout John. However, 
let's consider from this passage just one very basic answer that is clear in these verses, I think, in, in, the, in the first five verses. And to do it, just look, consider light. Consider that, that observation about light. When, when a light shines, when a light shines, it cannot help but promote its source. When you see a light, you do not say, there's no source to that light. Rather, you know, you know there is a source to the light. If you, if, if you see light, because you see light, you know there is a source. When you walk outside, when we walk outside, and I can see it through the doors right now, you're going to see light, and you know that's, that came from a source. And that's source from the sun. And when you breathe in, and when you breathe out, when you look at the heavens, when you see the beauty of God's creation... When you look at a baby's smile and you can't help but smile back, when you enjoy a nice meal, when you look at your spouse and you feel love, when you think a thought, or when you weep when you hear a song, oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal, or when you solve a math equation, as you live life, as we live life, we are living witnesses to the shining Light coming from Jesus, who is the Word. This is why the psalmist proclaims in Psalm uh, 19 that the heavens declare the glory of God. The uh, The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night after night reveals knowledge. There is no voice that goes their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. The heavens are doing that. This is why the psalmist also sings um, in Psalm 36, for with you, with you, God, is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. All of creation, including your living and breathing testifies, my living and breathing, it testifies to the creator's light shining into the darkness. The wonder of this is that you don't have to believe in God for this to be a true thing. You don't have to believe anything true about God. You don't have to believe anything about the Bible. As long as you live and breathe, even if you proclaim that God is dead, as long as you live and breathe, your life is a testifying witness against you Against your own belief, if you live, it is because you have been given life from the word. Jesus spoke you into existence, and so you live. As long as there is life, that life, it will shine forth. It shines forth like a light, proclaiming its life giver, its maker. It can't help but do it. It cannot help but do so. Jesus is the one. He shines that creation light into the world, creating, sustaining life. Not only is he creator, but he is sustainer. You cannot look at a light and assume that there is no source. You cannot look at a painter and assume there is no painting. You cannot look at a life and assume there is no giver of life. And I believe this is one reason why John says that when the light shines in the darkness, into the darkness, the darkness has not overcome it. Anytime you see light, you can be reminded, we can be reminded that just as sure as I'm alive, 
Just as sure as you're alive, you are alive because the word shines life into the world. Darkness, the darkness of uncreation, it loses. Darkness always loses to the creator's light. The creator's creation is a light to humanity. Jesus is the source of life. And the life within Jesus shines a revelation light upon the world. But that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning of what John wants to say to us about Jesus. He's going to spend the rest of the book building off those two realities to proclaim one-third truth. That is a life-changing truth. So the third one is that Jesus is a savior. He is the light of the world who gives eternal life. Jesus is a life giver. He's not only the creator, he is the savior. In the remainder of John's gospel, the words life and light have serious, serious importance for us. In verses 1 and 5, it reveals that Jesus is life, creating life. And verses 1 through 5 reveals that Jesus is light, shining life into the world. However, throughout the remainder of John, life and light are almost exclusively used to refer to something much more than physical life. You know, you're living, you're breathing, you're thinking, you're feeling. Jesus, who created life, is life, eternal life. And Jesus, who shines light, is the light, who reveals himself. He reveals himself in coming to earth as the one, the singular hope for humanity. There's certainly allusions to this in John 5, or verse 5. The light of Jesus shines into the dark world in his condescension, in his coming to earth, in his being born, being set in a manger. But the word life can only be understood as eternal life. And the word light can only be understood as eternal or as a revealed hope after we define one more word. There's one more word that we need to understand, and that is darkness. Darkness is also another term used throughout John. And it's it's mentioned there in verse 5. And in verse 5, at the very least, darkness is talking about the absence of, of created life. But the word darkness is used throughout the remainder of John to describe your and my, all of humanity's universal opposition to Jesus, to the creator of the universe. Darkness is the one thing that people love rather than light. Darkness is what you walk in if you are not following the light. Darkness is what overtakes you if you don't have the light with you. And darkness is what you will die in if you are not trusting in Jesus. So the full meaning of the passage is that Jesus, the giver of life, 
and revealer of life is the one who offers eternal life. Salvation from the darkness. We're all in darkness. Anyone outside of Christ is in darkness if if we are opposed to the light. Any thought, any action against God, any lie, any breaking of his law, darkness. Without Christ, darkness. But Jesus came. He offers eternal life. He is the only shining, the only shining salvation light. And so to show that, how is John going to show it? To show you and me that Jesus is your light. He's my light. He begins at the beginning. The beginning, beginning. He shows us that our life, our very existence comes from Jesus. That's where it comes from. And he does it to prove, prove things like, so that when Jesus cries out saying, like in John 8, when he cries out and says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever believes in me, you will not walk in darkness anymore. You will have the light of life. When Jesus says that, John starts at the beginning so that when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he wants you and me to say, yes. I want you. You can save. You made me. You hold me together. Save me. Save me from the darkness. He wants us to believe. Jesus, he's your creator. He's a very capable savior. Only the one who gives life can give eternal life. Only the one who reveals himself as light is your salvation hope. He's your only true salvation hope. You will not be given the gift of eternal life. You will not be given life, real life, from anyone other than the giver of life. So life assumes a giver of life. And John proclaims to us that Jesus is the life giver. He's the source. He was in the beginning existing by his own power. He was with God and he was God, both unique in his person and one with God in essence. Jesus shines light. He gives life. If you have life, your living, your breathing points to him as the creator of life. He reveals life in giving you life. So we're tell- self testifying witnesses then to that creator. If there is life, there is a life giver. And if there is light, darkness cannot overcome it. But ultimately, as we've seen, Jesus is the hope of eternal life. He is the light of the world. Anyone who trusts in Jesus, surrendering their life to him, will not walk in darkness. The light of Jesus overcomes, it always overcomes any darkness in the person who trusts in Christ. Later in John's gospel, Jesus has an encounter with a woman named Martha. Martha. She was, she was very close to Jesus, her and her sister. That didn't protect her from, from hardship. In fact, her brother became very sick so sick that he, he died from his illness. He succumbed to his illness. 
It's kind of surprising, though, that you find that Jesus, when he found out that her brother was sick, Martha's brother, he didn't hurry back. He waited a couple days to return to their town. And so when Jesus arrived, Martha was understandably pretty distraught. Not only had her brother died, Jesus had not returned. She said to Jesus, when, when she saw him, she said this in, in, in John eleven twenty one, If you had been there, here, my brother would not have died. She had seen Jesus heal. She knew he, uh, she knew he, he could do that. And Jesus assured her that your brother's going to live again. Your brother's going to live again. But Martha, she didn't understand that. She didn't think that, that she would see her brother again. And it's in that moment, in John eleven twenty five through 26, that this is Jesus' reply. In that moment, he said to her, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Listen to this. Whoever believes in me, Though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's what he says to Martha. Do you believe this? That's a good question. Jesus asks good question. That is the most important question in all the world. Everyone will answer it. You must answer it. Maybe you have answered it. Do you believe this? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that he is a savior, your savior? He's saving you from the darkness? Are you trusting? Are you trusting Jesus to be your savior? He is the light of the world. There's no special formulas to do this. There's no special formulas, um, no special prayer. You must see that Jesus is a savior and believe. See that he can save you from your sins. Your creator, your creator made you, formed you, holds you together, is the light of the world. He came to us in humility. He died for us. His life for my life, his life for your life, sinful life. He died, substitution for you, and he rose. He defeated the power of sin and death. Are you going to trust him? Are you trusting in him? That's the answer or the question that Jesus is asking Martha, and it's the question that is being asked to all of us. If you're struggling right now, if you want to know more, if you want to visit, it doesn't matter what you're, the situation you're in, really. Jesus, his saving power, his life-creating power is able to save, no matter where you are. No matter what you're going through, Jesus, Jesus is a capable Savior. If you want to visit sometime, if you want to write your name, my, my phone number's in the bulletin. If you want to write, fill out a card and put it in the back, if you want to talk afterwards, if you want to talk to someone in this room, even if you want prayer, please don't miss this opportunity. If Jesus is calling, do not Ignore the call. Trust him. He is a great savior. The creator of the world is a great savior. Let's pray. In your light, do we see light? Thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus, 
our light, the light of the world, the one who breaks the darkness, who defeats the darkness. He is a great savior. Thank you, God. Thank you for the fellowship that comes from being united with the Son of God, the fellowship of the saints, your church, that we can stand together and say, yes, Jesus, you're a great Savior. You save. You save me from the darkness. Thank you, God. May we worship you. May we look to you always. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.